All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. Let me invite into studio. At least our studio guests are already seated. <laughs> I've got lovely young ladies in front of me this morning. Um, we're joined by Sizakele Mpadzwe, who is the Head of Education at the Gariso Trust. Sizakele, good morning to you. Thank you for your time this morning. Good morning to you. Kathy, and good morning to the listeners out there. Dr. Cynthia Malinga is Technical Education Development Advisor at the Cecil Foundation. Dr. Malinga, good morning to you. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to the listeners. Thank you for having us. One of the conversations that we are constantly having as a country is around the state of our education and the extent to which there are clear gaps that exist and and perhaps that's where I, I want us to start both your organizations or the, the institutions you represent have been doing work particularly that addresses some of the gaps that have been identified in the education system let's talk about what these gaps are and the, the reason I say this is that we have the education department that will of course give a view of where it thinks more needs to be done, where we're perhaps not me meeting the standards as a country. But you, going into schools, interacting with learners, with teachers, with curriculum advisors, etc., you have a closer look and perhaps a, a more in-depth understanding as outside players of what then those gaps might be. I'm going to begin with you, um, Sizakela, because, of course, you are with... Um, the Gariso Trust, and this is really central uh, to the work that you have been doing. Yes, Cathy. Uh, for us, we identified that within, within the education pipeline of the schooling system, grade 3, grade 6, grade 9, and grade 12, at all exit points, the learner outcomes are not the outcomes that are of quality and expected. But also we realize that those gaps are more when you go to the lower grades on literacy and numeracy and as you move up it's on mathematics science and and including accounting and also it is due to either the the, the instructional uh, delivery of those subjects which for us made us to develop a model mm -hmm. that focuses on uh, on these subjects, we did not want to replicate the Department of Education. We just look at which subjects in the curriculum are critical. Not only critical because they are being failed, but also they are also impacting and making an input later on in the economy. Mm -hmm. So we, we therefore said, let's look at uh, lower grades, illiteracy, numeracy. Let's look as we continue to senior levels at um, <coughs> mathematics, science, and accounting, but also recently with the partnership that we have had with Sasol, we said let us focus on technical education, so technical and vocational, looking at technical high schools, making sure that uh, we transform them into technical high schools of excellence. But we don't just go to a school and do everything. Mm -hmm. we, we have a theory of change at the center of our theory of change is the teacher. Mm -hmm. And for us, we are saying, uh, if the teachers are able to deliver quality uh, learning and teaching, then we will see results with the learners that we have. I, I, 
is that part of, of why, when you talk about what the problem was, is that you, you center it around how this education is being uh, presented, how yeah. these subjects are being presented. So the gap then is, is from what I'm hearing you say, lies mostly with, with the teachers. Not necessarily mm. as it lies with the teachers, but we believe that if we empower the teacher yeah. to sustain for sustainability, remember learning is lifelong. Mm -hmm. And our teachers might have been trained and the world is changing. We're looking into for IR. For us, therefore, we say if our, our teachers have skills that are required at this moment, so making education to be relevant and efficient, you continuously need to make sure that the teacher that you have, you provide them with tools, you provide them with skills, but also the schools where we're implementing, we make sure that the, the, the learning environment is conducive for that through infrastructure development, mm. but also we put it in the, at the level of the communities because whatever we do where we are, we involve the community, whether it's infrastructure, a, a development, we don't take, even if we're in Limpombo or, or the Free State, we don't take contractors from Gauteng to go and build there, mm. but we use the workforce, so we empower the local community. Our education focus, it's more on the system change, systemic change, but also on the social impact in, in a comprehensive way. So for us, we believe that public schooling, especially in rural areas, it is, it has a potential of being an economic driver. Mm. Education is just an economic driver because it has a potential to eradicate poverty, but also a potential to empower people so mm -hmm. that they become aware what are the opportunities that are around them. So, so effectively, it's about saying education is 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 a community. It's a communal. Yes. Um, it's something that needs the engagement of of the community as involved stakeholders yes. in in order to get the the right kind of outcomes yeah. um, th that people are looking for. But also, just to Sh add, sure. we, we we don't leave out the government, mm. who is the custodian of ensuring that education is delivered in the country. Hence. When we work, we partner with provincial government. Yeah. Dr. Malinga, let me come to you. Of course, as Cecil, I won't talk about the Cecil Foundation necessarily. As Cecil, you are a big employer in this country. These are the gaps that, um, um, you know, Ms. Mpazwe has, has identified in terms of the education system. How does this, these problems that she highlights, how do they come to you as an employer? And what then do you begin to identify as being part of the issues from your side, um, from a capacity perspective and thinking about the positions, the many positions that, that organizationally you would <laughs> yeah. need to fill? Thanks, Kathy. <clears throat> and um, I, I think it's exciting that we, we partnered with Kahiso because they think like us. The issue of social impact and sustainability is very key for, for both of us. And Cesar has mentioned that uh, the, the, the teacher is, is key in our, in our development for sustainability because the teacher remains longer in the system than the learner. If, if, I mean, I've been a teacher myself and in my 
uh, short stint at, in the classroom, I may I think I have impacted at least more than 1,000 learners. At any given time, a teacher has got that ability and they remain longer in the system. Now, as, as Sasol, we find that um, when we, we have to, to employ um, graduates and sometimes uh, learners who, who may be from um, a, a high school for learnerships and so on, you find that there is always this challenge that we have around the, <clears throat> the, the skills around the ability to work um, in, in, in the laboratory because we are a petrochemicals industry, for an example. And you find that one of the reasons is because the, the, the schools did not have proper laboratories for the students to be able to do experiments and so on. Or if they are artisans, they just did the theory in the classroom but never got a chance to actually do the actual welding or to use a lathe machine or a milling machine and mm -hmm. so on and so on. So, um, and these days we now have got uh, the 4IR and the, the all the, you know, the industrial revolutions that are there. And you find that our students, if they have not been exposed to using a laptop, let alone what is involved, you know, mm -hmm. with the artificial intelligence and so on, a student comes to university, we give them a laptop, but they do not know how to use the laptop because they have never been exposed to that. And their first assignment has to be typed and submitted. And we find that our students are, are lagging behind uh, in such things. So we find that we, we then look at these things and see that we have to do something. Yes, the department or the government has got the responsibility, but we cannot always wait for the department because mm -hmm. then our students will exit the system having not experienced this, especially those that had grade 10, 11, and 12. And then we... By the time they, they experience this, it is too late. Then they get frustrated at universities. They fail, though they may have passed uh, high marks uh, in grade 12. They get to university and they fail their first test and they become discouraged. And it's not because they are not, um, they are not capable, but it's because of all these challenges mm -hmm. of the, the, the tools of learning that they are now experiencing, which they didn't have a, an experience uh, with at high school. So we, we, we come in then in education to try and level the playing field for, for these learners so that they are able to, to experience this and go through it so that when they get to later on in life, they are not left behind and do not feel, they do not feel, um, uh, <laughs> they do not feel disadvantaged. Uh, one of the learners said, oh, no, 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 I have not been previously disadvantaged. <laughs> <laughs> they look at it in a different way. Yes, but yes, yeah, yes. so th these are the things that we do in education uh, to try and make sure that we level the playing field and make sure that our learners get to experience everything that they are supposed to be experienced. Even if they are in rural areas, we make sure that they, they, they these days we are empowering our township schools so that learners do not have to be driving to private schools or to, to towns mm. to get a better education. Quality education is key and every learner has got the right to quality education. One of the things that, that strikes me as you're speaking is that we are in 2023. Both of you have talked about, you know, the fourth industrial revolution and yet in the same breath, we still have learners that are coming out of our education system. Um, I, 
a laptop I understand maybe mm. not owning a personal laptop because mm. that's expensive right mm -hmm. but learners that have not been exposed to even how a computer would like. work a computer that would be in a school facility mm. that would that everybody at the school would have general access to are you saying that there are parts of our country that are still so far behind that even something that would be a basic and i think about in the context of a phone mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um a lot of people these days have a smartphone they're using it to um you know interact with all sorts of data mm -hmm. and being able to use it as sort of what what we think is happening across the country but but what you're saying to me is that actually that is not the reality of of where we are dr malinga Yes, it is. It is. Um, it is said that we we still have sections of our of our country, communities that um, are not as privileged as, as we think, uh, in in terms of a computer. It, I, I used to be a, a teacher. I've mentioned that, and when we received the computers, because of the challenges that we we, we had, computers are locked in the strong room, principal strong room never touched, collect dust. Then when you try and use them later on, you know, they, 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 they are no longer functional. They need maintenance and so on. We have such situations in, in our country where learners, especially girl learners, you find that they, there is a, 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 if the school is lucky, they have a, 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 a computer lab, but only boys are allowed to, to use the computer and the girls are only allowed to clean the computer lab and not touch no yes we still have got those those kinds of of of, of um, experiences in, in in our schools and uh yes then there will be those where the computer is only in 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 the in the admin block for the administrator to do whatever is needed to is needs to be done but the only thing that learners can fall back on is the cell phone if if they are lucky to have the, the smartphone but it, it does not give them um, uh, all the skills that they need, you know, to be able to then, you know, mm -hmm. compete with the learners that have been exposed to these things uh, later on. It is still, it's, it's, it, that's why I'm talking about the issue of leveling the playing field. Mm -hmm. It's a very important thing that we need to be doing as, as, as industries and everyone. Even if you are doing it on a personal level, make sure that a particular area, so far away, rural schools, are really, really having it difficult. Mm. Let's talk about what this happens then in the context of a, a, a work of, of the workplace, because often we're told that the the learners that the system is producing are not fit for for purpose, mm. and the general impression, at least in a country like South Africa, where there is this notion wrongfully sometimes perpetuated around 33%, right? Mm -hmm. That, oh, these are the generation of 33 percenters. They're not fit for purpose. Of course, what do you expect when you're putting 33% as a pass rate? And it, it, it really puts the young people as being the problem, as if they're the ones that don't have the, the mental capacity to do what is required of them. Um, Cecisa? Yes. So I'm thinking out aloud, Kathy, mm. as we're talking, because some of the things that are surprising you, they are a reality. You can take it from there. 
But for me, I don't believe that uh, we've got a young generation of 33 percenters. For an example, we are focusing on mathematics and we put in benchmarks and standards for teachers so that when they teach, these learners then achieve particular marks. And we have seen that happening and working. Let me make an example of the free state. Only from one school, we've got about 35 uh, learners who passed grade 12 and are studying abroad. And they were doing maths and science. They are into engineering uh, degrees, they are in economics, others are doing, uh, they are even here in the country, studying in the universities like your uh, Western Cape, universities that they've dreamt about, mm. they were not even sure. Then for me, I do believe that when you ensure that you empower, especially as Kulia said, you empower the, uh, the educator who is there for longer, you are sure to get sustainable impact and results. And therefore, this 33% for me is just the story. Learners out there, let me tell you, even their teachers, they never a plan or aim for 33. All right. These people aim for 100% and averages of 16 above. I'm going to hold that thought right there. We'll continue the conversation in a moment, of course. I will also be taking some of your contributions to this conversation. 086-000-2032 is the number to dial. It's time for your latest news headlines. Them. We're leading the conversation on the talking point. We're talking about the education sector, the gaps that exist in the system, but most importantly, what this means for creating a pipeline of young people that are skilled, that are able to take up opportunities to enter the workplace. And this is perhaps the elephant in the room. Uh, where we started the conversation was just for us to set a context of where we are as a country. We have a serious problem in this country around attitudes and perceptions, and in particular, negative attitudes around artisans, artisanal work. Where does that come from? And is it just unique uh, to, to South Africa? This comes from the communities, and including the, 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 the let me say, <laughs> I will blame also the education system. Remember, we had technical schools before, and somewhere they were then uh, uh, just left to be on their own. But now, because there was not much awareness, even in the communities, to say, what is the value add if you do technical subjects? We were always conditioned, even before. We, I, I'm a teacher as well. The, the careers I knew, you either be a teacher, a police, or a nurse. Mm -hmm. So I to chose to be a teacher. That the, the, that mindset, it has been drilled even to us, and, uh, and it goes down to the communities that if you want to become something, you have to go to university. University is the way. We were never told that you can still go to a university of technology or even do technical subjects in a school because they require as much a... A, a, the, in fact, they are above what the university requires. A, a, a child who's from a technical school or a TVET or a university of technology, they have better chances when there is employment or people required for skills in an industry like Sasol. 
those are the people that will be employed first because they had start, started to gather skills and knowledge as they were in the school. Remember, in a technical school, they do mm. practicals. Mm. So they practice, practice, practice. By the time they qualify, they have the experience that most industries will start to, to, to require. But also, there is limited uh, career prospects on that or, or on that area in terms of the advocacy advocating for this for 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 this who are sitting here look at us in front of us here this needed a, a, a technician mm -hmm. to put them together and uh, and we don't realize that we're sitting on the chairs that also needed someone to be a, 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 a an architect to to design it or even a plumber to make sure that the pipes are working here and and and, and there, there is a lot of opportunities that is why in this program we also do what we call try a skill with grade 7 learners so that when they go to grade 8 they become aware that there is a stream of technical and vocational mm -hmm. in a high school and we also show them what are the opportunities that are there we do career uh, awareness career expos so that they can see that universities are not the only means to a better life currently our universities have limited space to 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 even accommodate most of these learners so you need to remember when you're in grade 12 you're competing with the whole world mm -hmm. and you're competing for <laughs> making an example maybe a thousand spaces in a university so you can see that if everybody is looking at one basket why don't we make sure to see that in fact within the in this basket there are many eggs that you can tap which are also better off you take maybe even a shorter time to study but not only that you come out there with the skills that can make you to be competitive even globally, mm. not just here in the country. So th that 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 that's that that's what I think it's lacking for us. It's advocacy, it's awareness, it's talking more and showing what are the pathways and benefits and opportunities that lies in that. Uh, Dr. Malinga, when I hear that, of course, the overriding perception is that learners who end up at TVET colleges are there because they couldn't make it to university so and, and it feels like you know this is where um this is where those that have been rejected go for uh, f to have a second chance and, and to have a, a, another attempt at, at some form of higher education and again it, it's part of the the misconception of why we have young people not actively wanting to take that up I want to give you an opportunity as somebody who is an employer in this space to dispel the myths that if you are pursuing vocational training um, or you want to be an artisan, that you're actually going for something that is second grade. Kathy, that misconception is, <coughs> is sad. And um, it's something that somebody created somewhere. It's not only South African, it's global. But um, it's 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 a very sad state of affairs. As as South Africa, there came a time, especially um, after 1994, when we were pushing for 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 academics and engineers. Um, as Cesar has mentioned, we were all used to you know the the, the other jobs, teacher, police, and and so on. So we have been pushing the issue of of engineering quite a lot. 
And in pushing that, we have um, neglected this very, very important part of, of, of engineering, which is the semi-skilled, <coughs> semi-skilled workforce, the artisans. And um, a, one engineer actually needs about 32 people to work with. You cannot, as Cesar has men- mentioned, examples in, in this room. If, if we were to look, uh, maybe one or two engineers were, were involved in making sure that this room looks like it is now. But if you look at the number of artisans that were involved to make sure that we are sitting comfortable, there's electricity, there's a whole lot of, 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 um, of gadgets and stuff, we're sitting on chairs, on floor, and so on. There was a bricklayer, there was a, a, there was a, a painter, there was a what you can mention. Now, these people are very important uh, for the economy. We cannot just continue... Um, and, and, and be productive and compete globally with only engineers. We need the artisans and we'll also need the, the, the assistance. Now, the myth has been that you do not need maths and science to be able to work with your hands. And uh, the, 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 the misnomer has been that uh, uh, only the dumb mm-hmm. are supposed to be working with the hands, as if you do not think when you work with the hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way we are, we are, we are seeing it, especially with with with, with being involved in, in the technical vocational space, is that you need the maths and the science. You cannot be, you know, we, we always laugh about this where you find that uh, somebody is 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 building a house is not using the proper tools and is not doing the proper calculations to be able to to work out how much uh, material is going to be needed, what angle, whatever is going to be, and people are using their eyes to say, ah, I think it is straight and so <laughs> on. It does not work like that. That is why um, the Department of Basic Education is now is pushing and has come up with technical maths and technical science, mm-hmm. for an example, to make sure that the students, they do the maths that supports their technical space, the maths and the science that supports the vocational space. Whilst it is not the pure maths that is needed for university, it is not the mathematical literacy that is needed by everybody. You need a specific kind of well, some something that could have been called applied maths, you know, during mm. that time in applied science, because they use it and they apply it in the vocation in which in which they are. So as as Sasol, we 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 cannot. We, we've got a lot of engineers. We need them, but we need people that are going to work with these engineers. And we, we that is why this project was was started. Once we had STEM and we had a post school, um, we had te- a tertiary portfolio, but a specific portfolio was created just for technical vocational education because it is the greatest need that we have in this country. And with the the, the energy uh, developments that we are having now, who is going to be building those plants that we need? Who's going to be maintaining? Who is going to be, you know, all the things that needs to be done around foreign example, which is just one aspect, the energy transition. It is the artisans that we are going one, to One One of the, the figures that's put forward is that uh, this country at least should aim to be producing 30,000 artisans per mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I, I love the example that, that you give because 
in, 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 the, in the public's eye, sometimes when we talk about artisans, we're thinking about, um, you know, the people that are practicing informally. You know, mm-hmm. if you go mm-hmm. to a builder's or a yes. macro on a weekend, you'll find <laughs> people sitting around holding placards mm-hmm. saying, I'm a builder, mm-hmm. I can fix this, I'm a plumber, I'm this. But you are talking about people who are pursuing this work, mm-hmm. but are doing it more formally mm-hmm. and therefore are adhering to industry standards that, that are there and not necessarily um, just somebody who's self-taught. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But you're saying, let's formalize mm-hmm. part of what is happening here because this is a great opportunity in as far as our economy and where we're sitting right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathy, we, we, with a skill, like an artisanal skill, you can never go hungry. You, you can be in, 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 in the employee of, of Sasol, of, of whomever, but uh, nothing stops you from starting your own business as well, which is what we are, we are working at with, with, with Kahiso. Our learners at, at high school level, as uh, Kahiso mentioned, they, they, they are in, 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 in trained in the skill over three years. And after three years, they have acquired quite a lot of skill, which helps them to be able to, if they want, they can go continue with their education or they can start their own businesses with uh, enough support that, that they, they are getting. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, you'll remember during COVID, uh, there were times when, you know, lockdown and so on, but people with skill, people still had blocked toilets and they needed a plumber. People still wanted one, two, and the electricity is not working and so on. And it is worse these days with the load shedding and Mm. all. We need every other person needs an electrician. You can never go hungry with this skill. And if you have done it formally, and qualified, which is what we are pushing. That mm-hmm. let's not have people that um, that do not get a, a full qualification and therefore are doing it informal because those are the yeah. ones that would not have even a certificate to to install your solar. Yeah. And after a day or two, boom, the there is a house yeah. is on fire yeah. and you cannot produce anything because these people are not properly qualified. Let's get our learners to be properly qualified to do these things. We need them. It's very crucial that we have them, All but. Right. We also need to assist them to make sure that they get qualification and they are, you know, they get the practice. Mm. The, 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 this kind of, of skill, um, one part about it is the fact that if we have to do like 18 months of practical skill. Apart from your theory, mm. you have to do proper uh, 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 skilling and hone your skill until you are perfect right. so that when you get to 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 the employer everyone wants nice and and proper things not something that is going to fall right. you know after a few days so mm-hmm. let's get them qualified and qualified in the right way it, it seemed to me that you know this is an untapped area um, when it comes to education in our country and skills in, in our country, at least not being maximized to its full potential. We've got a couple of callers lined up with questions. Of course, you can also dial in on 086-000-2032. Dikobe, you are in Mafike, and good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Katie. Yes, good morning. No, thanks uh, for the opportunity, uh, and good morning also to your, to your guests. Now, I just want to ask a question and maybe make a comment. Uh, my question to your guests would be, I just want to get in, you know, their view on as to whether they feel that the, the, the education sector in South Africa is on the verge of collapse or not. I, I want an overview on that question. Mm. 
as to whether the, the, the sector is on the verge of total collapse. Now, <clears throat> my second comment would be that uh, I, I, I need to appreciate the fact that uh, central to their business is to develop a, the educator who remains in the system for quite a long time so that they are able to, you know, assist these learners to, to, to produce, uh, you know, desired uh, results. But on the contrast, you've got a, a system now that, uh, you know, it is having a lot of, uh, you know, challenges uh, relating to infrastructure, uh, overcrowded classrooms, and also uh, some, in some instances, policies that, you know, in my view are regressive, like a policy of uh, progression. Where, learn, where you have learners who would not pass, you know, from grade uh, seven, and then they will move from grade seven up to grade twelve, uh, as a result of this policy of progression. Then my question then would be, how is it that uh, these educators who are developed uh, are, are, are expected to make these learners pass when they have never, you know, uh, passed at grade twelve, when they have never passed at the lower grade because of this uh, progression policy? And, you know, there's a saying that, that says uh, it does not get better on the day of the auction, meaning that you can't get a cow better on the day of the auction. Now, you have a situation where grade 12 learners, you know, when they get to grade 12, they are, you know, subjected to extra classes, you know, that are very strenuous, forgetting that uh, from the lower grades, not much attention was given to them, and they've been progressed. Uh, from, you know, those lower grades. But when they all get right. to grade 12, so much pressure is put on them to, to, mm. to pass. Dukobe, I think those are all valid points um, that you have raised and questions that uh, you've asked. We'll leave it there for this morning. Skumbuzo, you're in KZN. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Katie. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Kumbuzo. Go for it. Yes, Katie, I had a question and a, a comment. First, um, I would like to ask your guest whether do they also um, into funding the small businesses that, that are in that are in the educational sector? Because uh, I'm a I'm a mid I'm a mid graduate uh, student, and I've decided I think early in, in 2021 I've decided to collaborate with one of my peers. Some of them have done computer science and chemical engineering to develop uh, an app that uh, will specifically assist uh, learners in the basic education. Like, for example, the school that does not have lab uh, in the premises. So we wanted to build something that would be like a visual lab so that if a learner maybe is doing um, chemistry, he can be able to like use this app and uh, do some practical experiment uh, so that you're able to understand what is learning on the textbook. But the app has got many features uh, that are on inside. But right now, I understand that we want to get it into the market, but uh, we still have many challenges because we have to uh, pay for other service providers because we have to like be hosted on a platform like Amazon so that uh, when people come and register their user account, uh, there, there must be a data that has to be stored somewhere. So, but we have tried to approach many institutions like banks and CIA, and they, they said because we don't have the collateral, so uh, they can't assist us. So All right. we have this. 
Yeah, so we have this innovation sitting with us right now, but we think it can be very helpful to like in to help learners in the basic education, but we don't know how we can like, carry it into the market. All right, Skumbuzo, let's leave it there. Skumbuzo out in KZN. Julius, you're in Mafiken. Good morning. All right, it looks like we've lost Julius on the line. Colin in Cape Town, good morning. Good morning, Cathy. Good morning to your guest. Cathy, when I was at school in grade 8, we were taught we should go once a week to classes and even use our hands. We used to do carpentry, we used to do sheet metal work, and we used to do drawings. We had to read a drawing, a plan. The girls did domestic science, typing, and hairdressing. Now, all those things have gone from our schools. And, you know, I know of so many guys that became boilermakers, good carpenters that were in school with me because they had the basics. They had to read a drawing, a plan, and how to make a chair or even a letterbox, whatever it was. And from there, they went to companies. And then they went to tech. They did the theory work there, and they were placed into companies and became good artisans. Four or five years of training, and after that, you went to Ulifantfontein, and then you got your red certificate that you are a qualified artisan. Now, today, they haven't got those things. When I was at work, we had every year, uh, we had a big printer school with all the trades, that was closed down in 2009. That was government department in Salterville Works. And we, we actually, we, the, the, the apprentices that came out of there were fantastic. Do you know a plumber, a good plumber, a good electrician, even if he hasn't got a job, he can become an entrepreneur. He can earn more money than what a doctor earns. Because we need those people every single day to come into our house and do our electrical work, do our building, do this, do that. We haven't. We got a, the Tivit College only gives you theory. It does not give you practical. You've got to go. And companies have got to be, uh, get a tax rebate from government All right. to encourage them and employ them and make good artisans out of them. Far- All right, Colin. We're going to have to leave it there. Uh, Colin out in Cape Town, but I believe you've, you've made the point. We're going to take a quick break and then we're back with responses to those questions. All right, thank you for those questions to our guests. I'm going to give them a, a chance to answer some of them. I'm also seeing uh, your responses on WhatsApp and hopefully we'll have a time for um, the voice notes and messages that you're sending through. Sissiza, let me begin with you. Give you a chance to respond to the questions. On the first one, I think it's the Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to represent the Department of Education, but I'll speak as a partner to the Department of Education because we are in education as a organizations that want to contribute in what the department is trying to achieve. And for me, the fact that there is a three streams model that has been introduced to the, by the department, it really shows that the system is also responding to the challenges that are there because this three stream model does not only look into academics, but it brings in 
the technical and vocational education into the space. And there are so many organizations and companies that are partners to the department, which shows that the, 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 there is a lot of collaborative approach that is coming into the space. But also in terms of the issues of progression and all of those things, those policies, I do believe that they, they, they are within a system and it's not only at the exit where the teacher or the parent should realize that the learner is failing. There are some interventions that should be there. And part of those interventions, organizations like us, Kahiso Trust, we come in as an intervention to try and assist in those spaces to make sure that the infrastructure that is required because we give schools computer labs, laboratories, libraries, and we don't only provide that, we give equipment, we train the educators on how to use them. So it's part of us ensuring that the gaps that have been uh, accumulative over the years, then we close them through that. I can leave the others to Dr. Malinga. Thanks. Um, I think uh, Skumbuzo asked a question around the issue of, of small businesses, that um, business that they've started on developing an app. And there's quite a lot of these that have uh, come up with the, with the technology. And um, we, we can maybe talk on the side around how that, that can be assisted. We certainly have a, a section in, in the organization, but we focus on certain things that more that, that are more beneficial to Sasol uh, in, in particular, but there are other companies that we can maybe recommend as far as that is concerned. And uh, I think the, the, the other question that was asked was around the issue of um, progression or progressed learners, and the department has now introduced GET certificate where uh, learners they can exit at after grade nine if they feel that they are not uh, they do not want to continue with the school but they get a certificate that gives them something that they are they are doing or that shows what they have been able to do uh, up to grade nine and um, the other question that was raised uh, around uh, or that Colin raised uh, I think what he is mentioning now is what the department has now brought back. Mm in terms of, of having uh, uh, technical vocational schools and uh, making sure that learners go through this and they are able to then qualify as artisans at, at the end. And the, depart the Department of Higher Education and Training has also um, revamped the, the, what is offered in the, in the TVET colleges so that it's not just theory. They are phasing out all the, all the, the courses that were just theory and make sure mm -hmm. that the learners now have got a contract with an employer mm -hmm. and, the, and the institution so that they are able to get the skills as they are being trained uh, following some, some uh, uh, program from, from uh, Germany, for an example. And uh, in terms of attention uh, from the lower grades, I think as, as Sasol Foundation, for an example, we, we have been addressing the whole education value chain from ECD right up to, to postgrad, up to, up to PhD, or getting the, the, the mm -hmm. student ready for, for university. We are, for an example, um, working with 270 ECD centers um, uh, uh, nationally at the moment, and um, we're working with with uh, schools, uh, uh, primary schools, we are have we have developed some textbooks right from foundation phase, which are in all uh, eleven languages, um, numeracy textbooks, and we are working with the robotics with the schools, 
and we are doing this you know from from primary school right up to up to up to university and if and tivet colleges all right and mm. so on and we're doing mobile labs as well we have over 19 mobile labs to make sure that uh, students that do not have the the the, the laboratory at school, but they are able to do all the quality, all the, the prescribed experiments, and each lab, mobile laboratory reaches about thirty uh, um, uh, schools in one year. Sure, so, Doctor Malinga, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, sorry for interjecting there. I'm just looking mm. at the clock and mm. and realizing that, of course, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're, we're completely out of time for okay. this conversation. The one thing that is is apparent to me, though, is the fact that it seems that we are not going to get education right without having as many partners as you put it involved Mm -hmm. in the education system. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think for the Mm -hmm. long-term trajectory uh, of the the system and also issues around sustainability Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what the future then looks like, when you do have as many partners needed. It sounds like to me right now that this is not a nice to have, mm-hmm. but it's needed in order to get our learners to a particular place. It's time for the latest news headlines. Uh, thank you to our guests for coming into studio and for sharing their insight into some of this work.